Hello there, and welcome to the Construction Revolution podcast. My name is Stephen Rossi, and here on the show, we explore the latest trends, technologies, people, and organizations that are revolutionizing or disrupting the construction industry and are changing what the industry will look like tomorrow. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Kian Brennan, the founder and CEO at Quantum Contract Solutions. Kian has an extensive background in construction management, consulting, and engineering, which led him to realize the importance of being contractually literate. Through his experience, he also discovered that many construction companies do not thoroughly understand or review their contracts. With this insight, Kian set out to help contractors navigate and decipher contracts, resulting in lower project risk and stronger project cash flow. Tune in to learn more about Quantum Contract Solutions and how Kian and his team are making construction contracts hassle-free. Hi, Kian. Welcome to the Construction Revolution podcast. It's nice to have you on. It's very good to be on, Stephen. How are you? Good, good. I'm, it's nice and early here, but I'm, I'm glad you were able to stay up a bit working late for us to, so we could, we could talk. That's fine. That's fine. That's, this is part and parcel of, of uh, having a company that uh, deals in all different parts of the world. You've, you've got a, I had a meeting um, a couple of weeks ago at um, two in the morning. So that was fun. And then I was in Ireland for a wedding in the last uh, couple of weeks as well. So that was actually quite nice. I was able to get a few more normal timed meetings as well. So that's just, that's just the world we live in now, Stephen. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the joys of working with people around the world, whether customers or, or your own team. Exactly. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on today to learn more about, about you and about quantum contract solutions as well. So to get us started, can you just tell us a bit more about how you founded quantum contract solutions and what inspired the idea for the company? My background is I did the usual, went to university, went to, did a master's in, in construction. That was advice given to me by my parents and my granddad was a, it was a construction contractor. He said, do not go into construction contracting because subcontracting world, it's not where you want to be. Uh, you're better off going a different way. So I did that and um, I graduated and started working in some of the biggest companies in the world in the construction. So Chevron, uh, Impex is, is the Japanese version of, of Chevron. Uh, Woodside is the Australian ver- version. So big oil and gas projects. And then later on, I I started working for consultancy to give specific advice around contracts, how to manage contracts, and really from the client side, how to save as much money via contracts as possible. Okay, so in and if you want to use it in layman's terms, it's it's how to extract the the most amount of money out of the contractors or how to pay them the least amount of money is, is really what we're talking about. And so this involved um, bringing in closeout teams onto projects who, you know, all of a sudden their job is to save money. The project's not going to plan. These guys come in and they make sure that they save money, generally not by paying claims, by rejecting claims, by saying some claims are not valid. They haven't been contractually done the right way. That's typically how, you know, those type of strategies worked. After that, I went to work for Shell in the Middle East 
And it was there where I was working. And I kind of just, honestly, I kind of just got fed up of one, just contractors and subcontractors being battered over the head, being bullied contractually. And to be honest, they just didn't know what they were doing. They were just playing a game that was so risky. They were taking on so much risk and they were just not getting paid what they should be getting paid. And they were going out of business time and time again. And then I felt that it was me who was doing this. And I just didn't want to be that person anymore. So that was the, the you know, all of a sudden my, my work satisfaction went off a cliff. I just wasn't interested in doing it anymore. And so the idea came to me was, well, I actually know how all of these big companies work, how all the insides of the GCs work, how all of the insides of these larger organizations. And what the, the contractors, subcontractors, whatever you want to call them on a the project, didn't understand was in most of these companies, there is the stage gates, stuff that needs to happen to get something approved. And if you submit a crappy document or you sign a contract on the front end that, that's terrible, you you don't go through the stage gate and you just get stopped and rejected. And that's they don't understand that there's a person there that needs to take your document, turn around internally and present it to a committee or to a boss of some kind. And if that document makes them look bad, then ultimately they're just not going to do it and they're going to get rejected. So if I could teach these guys and show them and ultimately do that on their behalf, navigate the insides of those companies... The, the people in those companies don't really care. It's a procedure. It's like, yeah, okay, tick box, tick box, tick box, tick paid. Box, tick box, not ticked, not paid. And so if we can learn how to tick all the boxes on the way through, that's how you can get paid. So that's how Quantum started. And from there, we started 2019. We've grown. We've won two awards, uh, for one for innovation, one for outstanding growth. Personally, I've won a, a 40 under 40 award and um, Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. And that's all just on the back of finding a problem really that needed to be solved and solving in an innovative way where we do everything remotely. And so just like you'd be on a construction site, if you need, like if you needed a lawyer, say you work for a big construction company like Turner, the biggest out there, right, essentially. And so you needed legal help. You go back to your desk and nowadays you'd book in a Zoom call with them. You wouldn't go to the head office to talk to the lawyer. You just book in a Zoom call and they'd give you advice. That's essentially what we do in that we can give you contractual advice to anyone on site. We'll do all of the paperwork for you and then it's done um, essentially for a retainer. So it allows the subcontractors, contractors to get access to top tier advice and top tier systems that they normally wouldn't have. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. I, it's I, quite a shift from I can imagine going from one side of the business to the other, but it's it's an it's an interesting story of to, as to why you did that. It is. It's it's more rewarding. I'll put it that way. A, a lot more rewarding. Yeah, I bet. Um, so you sort of touched on you have a lot of experience in the construction industry, and I think you mentioned that your family was in the business um, even before you were. I'm wondering what made you want to get into the industry in the first place? And dis despite the sort of uh, challenges you had, why have you stayed in it? Um, so years ago, different time, right? And I'm not, I'm not super old, right? I'm, I'm turning 40 soon, right? But in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's a little bit, old, a little bit older in, in comparison to some of the new, the new kids on the block. But when I was, 13, my father knew a builder and he was like, 
I need to get this guy to earn a bit of money to do something during the summer holidays. And so he put me and my cousin on a building site as a laborer. And so we got on that. And within a couple of weeks, we were both driving dumper trucks around the place. We were uh, literally fully integrated in, in, in there. And we made decent money. We made more money than we'd ever make in a shop or anything. And so I think it was just an instant reward where it was like, if I work hard, I get paid. And that that kind of connection just stood with me over time. And and it was like, I, I loved, you know, we, even now, um, in this, there's building of a cinema was what I was part of back then. It was, they were building a cinema. And even then I go, we drive by that old cinema now and I go, oh, I, I, I built that. I remember sitting on that thing having lunch. Um, and so I'm the type of person that likes a change. And so in construction, you get lots of projects. And so you start one, you finish one, you get to do a full cycle and that's nice. Then you do another one and you finish one and you get a full part and you get to see the fruits of your labor most of the time. And so that cycle is something I've really, really enjoyed in, in my career. And then to be honest, as the career progressed, it was the adventure. It was the adventure of going to Australia. It was the adventure of going to Qatar, Iraq, um, Saudi Arabia, um, all of that sort of stuff, that adventure in, in construction. I mean, that's what construction can give you, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. There's construction everywhere. It's, it's interesting that you're able to leverage that to sort of travel and see the world. Exactly. Coming back to sort of the company and what you guys do, what are some common issues that you see in the industry with contracts and what are a lot of companies doing wrong and how do you guys help them to avoid that? Yeah, so the the, the biggest thing I would say, and it depends on, on the company, right? It depends on how big a construction company you are. So I'm going to tailor this advice to mid, small to mid, okay? So we're talking 5 million to 20 million, maybe, something like that, right? So those specific companies oftentimes are of the opinion that if I, in the front end, right, front end of the, con, uh, of, of, the of the project, if I try to negotiate, they're going to give the work to somebody else. They're going to think I'm difficult, subcontractors are a dime a dozen, and they'll give the work away. And so I completely understand why they think that, because a lot of times you're trying to negotiate something and you probably really need the job. And you just like, I might just accept it as is, because I really need this job. However, that actually isn't the case. Now, that, to be fair, that might be the case while you're very, very small. If you are a dime a dozen subcontractor, right? If there are 20, 30, 40 of you around the place, then maybe that is, is a fair assumption, okay? Um, however, if you're a larger company where there might only be five to 10 of you, right, to, to choose from. There mightn't be millions. And even then, it's an expensive tendering process to go with someone else. It's not as simple as long as we're in a proper organization. In those scenarios, if you don't negotiate, and so imagine you're sitting on the other side of the table as I was, and you get five bids come across your, your table. And one guy doesn't try to negotiate his contract. He just leaves it as is. You don't think this guy is, oh, great, we're going to deal with him. We, we're like, you know, he's, he's not, he's just signed, he's easy to deal with. They don't think that at all. They think this guy hasn't a clue. Because the game is they give you their worst contract. That's it. They have backup clauses or backup sections for every single thing. And so you not playing the game 
is a red flag to them. And so if you do negotiate, they then think, ah, this guy, you know, he's been here before, he's played with the big boys before. And at the end of the day, it gives them confidence that you know what you're doing. So the, the, the benefit is you end up with a way less riskier contract, right? And so uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is um, you look more professional um, and you've given them confidence that you know what you're doing by negotiating. Conversely, what people tend to do is they, they tend not to negotiate. And they, they tend to think that they can't negotiate and that's just not true. So that's, that's, one, that's probably the biggest mistake, okay? The second mistake is the same again. It's another belief thing. It is that in the post-award phase, when you're on site, the contract specifically says you have to do all of these notification provisions. You have to submit EOTs, extensions of times. You have to submit change orders in a specific way. They tell you you need to do it. And yet, no one ever does it. They don't follow it. They just don't. Again, they feel like, oh, if I, I, I'll, I'll appear too contractual and they won't give me any more work. Again, this, this is essentially nonsense, okay? The, the, only, the only way that can come into play is if you are non-contractual, you don't do any of the paperwork the whole way through the project, and then at the end you decide to get really contractual. Then they're like, oh my God, what's happening here, right? And that's how most people do it, right? But if you start off from the very beginning doing exactly what the contract says, anytime you're delayed, you submit a notice, then you submit your EOT, or anytime you've been asked to do additional work, you submit your notice, then you submit your change order, exactly how the contract says, they will be trained to do it. They'll be trained to approve it. They will absolutely approve it the whole way through. They'll think you're super professional. And if you look at the biggest uh, companies in your sector, whatever sector as a a company you're in, the biggest guys will always do this and have a reputation for being professional, not a reputation for being, you know, contractual or difficult to deal with. They'll have a professional, uh, a reputation for being professional and good at what you do. And ultimately, that's going to lead to better cash flow because you're going to have more change orders and EOTs approved, which is going to have a better, easier project for you. And ultimately, if you got more margin, you're going to deliver a better service. And then the next project, hopefully you can be, uh, deliver an even better service. That's what actually matters, not whether you are perceived as easy to deal with or not. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like, there's a reason those those clauses and everything are in place, and the companies that are writing those are obviously have processes and are expecting those. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you would want to follow yep. through that. Um, in terms of you, sort of mentioned like that five to twenty million contractor mark. Is that sort of your guys' target persona, or is that we're full on because we're uh, we're online and we've got staff everywhere, basically. Our minimum is 5 million. And look, our vision as a company is to take an industry that's on its knees onto its feet. People get bullied around, they get bullied contractually. And so the the smallest guy we can take is probably 10 million, but we take 5 million because we really want to help a lot of these subcontractors as much as possible. But our biggest client is almost half a billion. And so there's there's a big range in companies, but we, we try our best to help as many people as we can. You're not normally able to get access to the level of expertise and systems without employing people indirectly and impl- and buying systems to to do it yourself. Absolutely. So I was wondering when you're talking about and introducing quantum to potential clients. Um, I know a lot of contractors, especially with something as 
important as contracts. They like to keep things very close to them, have visibility on everything. So I'm wondering what sort of pushback you get when pitching Quantum to these contractors. Yeah, pretty much what I said uh, before in that they're like, oh, I don't want to be too confrontational. I don't want to push hard, too hard. I don't want you to come in. And that's reasonable as well, because if people have ever gone to lawyers before, Sometimes a lawyer can absolutely redline a contract and you give it back to the to the client and it's like, it's a ridiculous amount of changes that you want, half of which you don't even care about. It's just lawyers going over and back to lawyers. And so really what we want to do is we want to have the least amount of changes for the biggest bang for book for your risk. That's what we're trying to do. And that's typically what we have to try and explain to people. No, we're not going to give you tons and tons of stuff. We're going to figure out what are the important things to you. What are the things that if they go wrong are going to be very, very bad for your business and remove them and explain to them typically about how risk, how risks impacts a company over a longer period of time. That makes sense. So is there a standout case study or a customer that you guys have been working with that you could share? I can give you the average. So the average customer of clients that does what we ask them to do. Okay. So, you know, we've all got clients that just don't do what you want to do, right? I'm I'm sure you're smiling as well, right? But if we have a client and they do exactly what we want them to do, the average client, firstly, we have an 82% success rate with what we try and negotiate into the contract. So of the things that we put forward, 82% of them get across the line. So if you think about the impact of your risk, how much that reduces it, it is dramatic. So that's the first thing. The average person saves a hundred grand in a year by using our services in comparison to having to hire someone internally as a comparison. And then with regards to getting change orders and EOTs across the line, we are 50% more effective than what they were doing before. So what that ultimately leads to is better cash flow. You're going to get getting self-approved, you're getting better cash flow, you're going to have better margin, your risk is going to be lower. And so Add that up over the long term, you're staying in business longer. And particularly in the environment we're in now in the construction industry where the risk is so high of people going out of business and people not getting paid, you need to be on top of your contracts. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. So moving on to sort of the future of quantum, I'm wondering with the recent developments in sort of AI and machine learning, um, I'm going to say right now you guys are it's mostly sort of a big team of people with law backgrounds and stuff. I'm wondering if you see a future um, where you incorporate uh, AI and machine learning into into your solution. Yeah, so when AI came out, we put a, an incentive in the company of anyone who brought in an AI tool that we use to save time got a bonus of a, of a particular sum of money. What we've done at the moment is we know where it's going to go And so the way I think it's going to work ultimately over time is, you know, do you remember social media was free or actually I'll give you a better example. TV, right? Let's say you're into sports. Back in the day, you would have to, you'd have to, you couldn't just get the sports package and not all the other channels. You had to buy all the other channels and then you got the sports as well, which is a pain because you ended up paying, I don't know, $40, $50 a month. And then, so then it was like, okay, well then the sports is going to come Now we have sports streaming just for football. Now we have sports streaming for hockey. And so now they're all on different channels again. And guess what? You still end up spending the $40 every month. So things don't change for the consumer. I think eventually we're going to get there in that, yes, I do believe that 
AI is going to be able to do what we can do from a contract review process. But who owns that AI? Right. So I don't believe an open source AI will be able to do it or something that you can rely on. But a company that owns, maybe uses open source is is able to copyright their actual answers. So for us, anyone can do a risk review of a contract, but you don't know how we negotiate the contracts and you don't know how we like how we do it, um, how we follow up and all the different things that happen. And that is kind of our intellectual property. And I think that's the, the thing that's going to matter at the end of the day. And so we're trying our best to use AI to make reviewing contracts quicker so we can get to the fun part, which is the negotiating the contracts quicker. And so if we can do that for our clients, that's, I mean, it's, it's a bonus. But yes, AI is coming for us for all our jobs, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really interesting approach. I've never heard of, of uh, it's a good way to incentivize sort of optimization in, in people's jobs. I'm wondering if you, if there's any sort of standout um, applications you've seen of, of staff using AI because of that incentive. Yep. I, I won't talk about the ones for contract reviews and reviewing contracts because we're still in beta with a lot of them and training up models. And frankly, I don't know if they're going to be good or not. We're just trying our best at the moment. So we're in that due diligence process, let's say. So that's the first bit. But for our marketing team, our marketing team use a, uh, an AI called CapCut, which, is, which chops up videos very, very quickly into shorts, essentially. And so if you look at our YouTube channel, Construction Series, a lot of shorts that have been done. Apparently, um, Dave told me that it saved them four hours a day. So four hours a day is huge. It's basically, it's another employee, basically, or half, half an employee, essentially. To be honest, the stuff that's out there at the moment is very good for marketing. So we use ChatGBT for headlines, we use descriptions, anything that's reasonably simple um, to do. We'll, we'll use ChatGBT to do it and refine it as well. Grammarly is another one to make sure that all our spelling is, is correct and all our documents. So lots of little things like that. Uh, they, all make, they all make a difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as someone in marketing, I can definitely relate to that. There's definitely a lot of new and, and cool softwares and yeah, CapCut being, being a great example of that. Um, so looking sort of more broadly at the construction industry, um, but also with contracts, I'm wondering where you see the industry going sort of in the next like 10-ish years. Um, I think from, I think the, the biggest leap, right? If I, if, if I go all the way and we talk about AI, and right now, AI is like basically white collar jobs, right? Everyone thought of, uh, the, the, what was going to happen is the blue collar jobs are going to be the first people to be replaced by automation. But the thing about automation is it's very expensive because you have to build all this machinery to do the thing. And so the AI replacing white collar jobs, and I, I, I say replacing, I, I'm going to say adding. When I say replacing, let's just think adding to, right? It's going to improve the speed in which we can develop plans, drawings, and the accuracy of everything. So ultimately, we could come up with a concept at the start, and we can go here, like AI, give us five different drawings with these parameters uh, for a skyscraper. And it turns out, you know, five, whatever, five different options. You pick an option, you edit the option, you get it to edit, then you go, you, then you go to the next AI, the engineering AI, Make, make this work, essentially. Give me all of the plans, 
right to the specs of this working. Done instantly. So now you've got that. So that's going. That's the five. That's the next five or ten years of AI, in my opinion, in the construction industry. But where I think it's going to get super, super powerful is when AI and automation not become one, but when they merge, when AI becomes smart enough to develop automation that it can use to develop the skyscraper or to develop equipment. All of a sudden now you've got a full circle of you from the concept of here's the drawing that I'm going to put into AI at the start to the plans, to the drawings, to the the feed, to the equipment, and then bang, essentially where it's doing almost the whole thing. Okay. That's where I see the construction industry going. So it's just going to keep adding to the process. um, And that's going to allow us to be able to build more projects and get stuff done quicker. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly, that's great. I mean, I think we all, (laughs) generally, I think we're all looking for construction projects to move quicker, whether we're heavily invested in them or just uh, driving by them every day and inconvenienced by the construction. I think (laughs) that would benefit everybody. Yeah, for sure. And construction as well. People are like, oh, we can't keep building stuff. But construction, I mean, New York, they don't build anything new hardly ever. Everything is a reno because everything's already there. So that's what people, construction, it's a lot of regeneration, facelifting a lot of stuff as well as building new stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I think to wrap up, if people are interested in learning more about quantum and getting started with you guys, where should they go? Basically, everything we do, we put out for free. So as I said, our, our, our vision, our mission is to, is to help construction subcontractors particularly understand contracts, stop being bullied around. So we've got a podcast called Construction Secrets. There's a YouTube channel called Construction Secrets, which is essentially got more visuals, more, you know, if you're, if you're not an audio person, you're a video person. Um, all that stuff is, is on there. There's loads and loads of stuff. There's actually a playlist on the YouTube channel which walks you through every item in the contract and what you need to do, essentially. So if you're someone who wants to do it by themselves, go in, do all of it. You'll, you'll understand everything. You'll be far more contractually savvy. Uh, the podcast itself is basically lessons learned. So we come across an issue, we talk about the issue. So by learning, uh, by listening to it, hopefully you're not going to come across those issues anymore, which is good. And then uh, if you want to understand or you want to work with Quantum, you go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. Check us out there. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to learn more about you guys. And it's great that you're so passionate about this and about helping contractors to succeed. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be on.